George did a really good job on that theme song. We don't credit him enough. He took the remix from um, your friend, Dan, whose yep. name I've forgotten, unfortunately. Who made the original Take the Point song? A uh, guy's name's called T-I-G-E, Tig. Tig, yeah. So Tig did an awesome job making that, and then our friend George remixed it, which is also really good. So we've got some good like DJ electronic music connections going on, uh, but there's no time for that. We have very, very important business to discuss. My name's Tom. You just heard from Dan, but you're about to hear from the most important man of the hour, man of the week. My co-host, Ryan Spillett, is, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, no one in America has their pulse on, no, that's not how the expression goes. No one has their finger on the pulse of bad coaching more than Ryan Spillett. He's started the tarmac report. Even before the tarmac report, he's been, he knows who the worst coaches are often from day one of their tenure. <laughs> he's not afraid to call them out and tell it how it is. There have been many bad coaches that have crossed his path and um, made it to his tarmac reports and gotten their own rants. There's of course, many guys from Tennessee have gotten it. Um, who are some others? Uh, Willie Taggart, of course on day one, you said should go, but no man in America, I don't think has gotten your wrath more than one Clayton Helton from the university of Southern California. I don't know if his name's actually Clayton Clay Helton. You said it from day one. I'm pretty sure the day he got hired, Ryan, you were on this saying that this is just not good. And he lasted a long time, but finally, finally folks, how come that's not playing? See, I play these drops and I don't have the microphone turned up, but Ryan gets one of these, the, the dashboard confessional <laughs> drop for finally being vindicated. Clay Helton fired two days ago. Ryan, you can have the entire show if you'd like. Take it away. <laughs> wow, Tom, that was quite the intro, man. Uh, I feel like I just won an Oscar or something. But uh, you ha- In the field of bad coaching, you are an Oscar winner. There's no one. And when I say no one, I'm not talking about people we know. I'm not talking about amateur podcasters like us. There's nobody on ESPN, CBS Sports, whatever. I've never heard anyone better at assessing bad coaching than you. So again, I interrupted. Take it away. Thank you, Tom. Well, uh, this is a, a glorious week for, uh, for us here at the Tarmac Report. Clay Helton is no longer. It took a really, really weird game for it to finally happen. You know, they get the, the week one win. Everyone's feeling good. Dan's got them in the playoff. And typical SC Stanford fashion, the team that's the 17-point underdog goes on the road and takes care of business by what, 20 points. Yep. So it was just bad. Like there was nothing left that he could do to fix this thing. They knew they had to make a change. It's about time they made a change. Uh, it, all it basically took was the alumni. When the alumni started going to the AD and being like, we're not even like interested in coming to like anything. Like we don't want to come to practices where we used to go like, you know, 
been a long time since, you know, we had a Will Ferrell Snoop Dogg appearance at an SC practice. Let's put it that way. So, you know, if those guys aren't coming, alumni aren't coming, that means the dollars aren't coming. And once that happens at a place like Los Angeles, he's got to go, man. So I'm interested to see who the next person is going to be. Uh, I know everyone jumped on the Urban Meyer bandwagon real quick. The James Franklin bandwagon, Tom, unfortunately, is really heating up. I we'll, still we'll think, get to that in a few minutes. I still think the best hire is just keep it with the, the maroon and gold. Get Matt Campbell. He's young. He's L.A. He'll give Sean McVay a run for his money at the strip clubs. It'll be great. I don't even know if either of them are married. I don't care. It's Los Angeles. So they're going to have plenty of options. I think that's the move. That's what I would go with. I know it's not necessarily the biggest hire, the sexiest hire, but, you know, NFL teams want Matt Campbell. If USC doesn't get him, then the Chicago Bears, not that far away, are going to be looking for a coach in about three weeks themselves. So, you know, if you want to get somebody, I'd say go for Matt Campbell. You can't get worse than Clay Helton. You can get a monkey from the San Diego Zoo to do a better job than Clay Helton has done. All he did was, you know, hire his good assistant coaches, and then when they get too good, he fires them and replaces them with his own brother. So, you know, good job, Clay. Way to keep that program prestigious. That's it for me. Good riddance. I heard he was shit-faced at LAX on bourbon of all things. So good for you. Keep drinking that bourbon clay. You've already gained 60 pounds during the pandemic, gained 40 more. So not to keep this going, but you know, I I just want you to reiterate like why you said from the start, he was the wrong hire before he lost a bunch of, you know, critical games. You sort of knew already. I mean, he's, he's not the most creative X's and O's guy. So like, we knew off the bat it was going to be pretty vanilla, but like more than that, he just, he doesn't, he's not LA. Like he doesn't have the personality and and honestly the ego to survive in LA and he was never going to do it. And, you know, all it took was their rival to get Chip Kelly to get his first big win over an SEC team. And that was really all they needed to see. They just wanted one bad loss and they were ready to, to pull the trigger, you know, say what you want about chip, but chip's still a personality. And, uh, you know, that matters in Los Angeles. And so what happened in this specific game against Stanford that, um, made them perform so poorly? We, we all thought, Dan, you thought they were a playoff team. I mean, we all thought they were going to be much improved this year. It, it literally is coaching. It's, they looked at the tape of Stanford playing like ass against Kansas state in week one. And they're like, all right, we're good. We'll take care of this. And then Stanford comes out with a completely different quarterback that they weren't ready for. And they got the doors blown off because, you know, it's college football. And, you know, maybe we should prepare for another quarterback considering our first one sucked in week one. Like, just be ready for that. You know, maybe read some message boards up in Stanford and see what's going on. I'm sure their beat writers were all over that on their practice reports, letting people know that they were, you know, using the second quarterback, getting first team reps in practice. I'm sure that was out there. 
All right. So last question, Ryan, now that, um, now that the giant has been slain, who's, who's number one in your sights? Oh, well, Tom, I think you can set me up with a nice soundbite for that one. There's a certain gentleman in Fort Collins, Colorado at a dump of a campus. And unfortunately, even though he's looking for things, I don't think he's going to find them anytime soon. Tom, what do you think he's looking for? Well, uh, if uh, my video didn't get reset, I could have been more on time with that. Not doing good with the drops today, but I think he's looking for some dudes. Guys being dudes. What's better than this? I'm just going to keep it on a loop for the whole time. I, I love it. He's, he's, I mean, it's not a power five school, but he's still number one on my list. We're going to have some power five schools coming up in the, in the next week or two. I've got my eyes on a couple. We'll get to those. We'll talk about Adazio later. Also, he's not. Maybe, yes, I'm looking at you, you asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, anything you want to talk about from week two last Saturday? Uh, yeah, just real quick. Um, nice job by Oregon beating Ohio state. Great, uh, game plan by, uh, Joe Moorhead. Um, you know, he may not be the best head coach in the world, but man, he's a great offensive coordinator. Um, they ran to the outside and explored, ex- exploited Ohio state. Um, it was just a great, great game plan to watch. Um, by the way, speaking of Joe Moorhead, um, the, 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 the very important Saturday night game was Michigan-Washington, where Washington looked absolutely terrible again. Correct. But their offensive coordinator, who came from Marone and the Jagoffs, he was also the Penn State offensive coordinator with Saquon and, uh, what, like, Godwin and Hackenberg before they brought Moorhead in. And... I read a good article this week that showed how terrible he was at Penn state for that one year who, for two who years. Was? I, I, sorry, I've blanked the Bill O'Brien years out of my memory. Yeah. It, like he had some terrible numbers when he was at Penn state. As soon as Moorhead came in, he fixed all the numbers within one year. Um, they got really lucky with just having talent, but um, anyway, Washington continues to be terrible. USC ultimate choke. Um, yeah. Uh, and last but not least, I'd like to talk about Florida State for a second. Last week on Take the Points, we commended Florida State for looking like a real football team and, uh, you know, turning around last year's pathetic three and six season. Well, now they're 0-2 this year. Uh, apparently things are bad in the locker room. Norvell's fallen now to 3-8 and eight as a head coach at Florida State. 3-8. and eight. That can't happen. Uh, Florida State's in shambles. Miami beat App State by two points. They're no good either. Um, and uh, excellent job by Georgia and um, their backup quarterback, who was the starter last year, Stetson Bennett, uh, looking like Tom Brady out there throwing five touchdowns with these. So it was kind of a light week in college football. Um, but like we said on Take the Points last week, there's always some nonsense for the Pac-12 after dark. So we had BYU upset Utah. We had Stanford blow out USC. So right when you thought it was a normal Saturday, Pac-12 after dark once again saves the day. I saw a lot of comments online, which is the thing that we always say, that there's no bad weeks in college football. And you know, people say 
three times a year. Oh, it's a bad week. There's no good games, etc. And then it always ends up being great. Um, John Donovan, by the way, is the name of the offensive coordinator with Penn State. Uh, yeah, who played defensive back at a Division three Johns Hopkins. Why is he a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator if you were defensive back at a D3 school? You know, uh, I'm, I can't comment on that based on his uh, tenure at Penn State. I remember when Moorhead came in and everything just looked totally different. Um, I will say that was during the Christian Hackenberg era and the transition from Hackenberg to all those guys they had with McSorley, Saquon, Goodwin, Gusecki. Um, that was helpful for any offensive coordinator. So it, I can't give him the total blame, but yeah, I remember, I remember him. Yeah. And then I remember, uh, Ricky Ronnie leaving a couple years ago was, that was one of those like, Oh, Oh, we lost our quarterback or, or we lost our OC. He went to old dominion. What a shame. Oh, he'll be missed. Anyway, on voyage. See you later. Best of <laughs> luck in your new endeavors. Very good. So Penn, so, yeah. Penn State, I, I guess, you know, we'll see this year, though. I don't know if they've improved with uh, Mike Yurkovich or whatever from Texas. Um, anything you want to say about Texas, speaking of? We talked about it a little bit on Take the Points last week. Uh, week one looked really good, and they look great, but uh, don't celebrate too early in college football. Week one doesn't mean as much as what people think. They looked terrible against Arkansas. Hudson Card looked uh, scared to be an understatement. The backup did come in and play a lot better. Who's going to start this week? Casey Thompson. Uh, Arkansas had a nice game plan, the smash mouth SEC, and they and they just physically manhandled Texas flat out. So Texas isn't back. Florida State isn't back. Miami isn't back. USC is no good. Washington's terrible. Uh, same old, same old, basically, in college football. And don't be fooled by anybody until they put together, like, five, six, seven wins in a row. Yeah. We started this season by talking about how it was wide open and there, this was a chance for change in the landscape. And, uh, after two weeks, my best overall takeaway is, uh, same old, same old with the exception yeah. of Oregon, you know, looking pretty good and beating Ohio state, but they, Oregon was even, you know, a top six team at the end of last year. So yeah. the more things change, the more they stay the same. And uh, let's get into the lines. But first, Dan, Guys being dudes. one more time. <laughs> All right. Hold on because we'll be talking about uh, Adazio in a little bit. Um, actually, oh, I've, we'll oh, I've got another clip for him. Don't worry. Great. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's do some lines. Let's go through this kind of quick tonight. Uh, not the best week. Weeks two and three in college football are traditionally not so good. Weeks four and five get really rolling. So, um here we go. Uh, we'll start with uh, Central Florida, Louisville. Central Florida laying six and a half at Louisville. Um, I think you got to take Central Florida here. Uh, Louisville looked awful against Ole Miss, like they weren't even on the same field. They lost a lot of talent last year in the NFL. They don't look like they have much left in the tank. Central Florida, meanwhile, looks fantastic this year. They look like like 13-0 Central Florida again. It could beat the hell out of anybody. Louisville's defense sucks. I'm going to lay the six and a half of Central Florida on Friday night. Any agreement, concurrence, disagreement, gentlemen? Agreed. Yeah, I looked at that one and I wasn't so sure. That would be the way I lean, but it's not a strong opinion. All right. Sounds good. Moving on. Um, let's go to Saturday. UConn. 
0-3 and 0-3 against the spread, travels to Army, Army laying only 34 and a half. Um, yeah, you're going to go one ahead and lay this with Army. Uh, like I said, until UConn covers a game, you have to fade them every week just by principle. Uh, they, they're not having a real football team. They can't play any football. Uh, now they got to face a triple option attack, which is pretty much unstoppable for them. Looking for a 42-0 Army win here. And, um, yeah, lay it with Army. I'm pretty sure everyone's in agreement here. Well, yes, but I would say this is um, – I find this embarrassing if you're an Army fan that you at home are favored by only 34 over UConn. You know, that's a gut check moment, Dan. It'll, it'll be 38 by game time. <laughs> All right. Also, Saturday morning, Michigan Dan, wait, State. wait, wait. Can we just well, – let's just pause and give you credit because we were talking about UConn-Purdue last week, and you said um, – you thought you're like UConn will score the first touchdown and everyone will get all happy. And then you literally said Purdue will rattle off 49 straight. Now <laughs> you were right about everything except for UConn scoring. Yeah. Purdue won 49 zero. So I just okay. want to give you credit for nailing the exact number. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will say uh, again with UConn's defensive coordinator taking over as the new coach, you know, a strong defensive performance. I think under Edsall, that game would have been 72 nothing. So you got to give them credit. It's a great job by them. Okay, Saturday morning, Michigan State at Miami. Uh, Miami laying six with the total of 56 and a half. Let's see, Miami got uh, blown out by Alabama badly and beat App State 25-23. And now they're laying six points to Michigan State. Uh, these are the games that Michigan State always wins. Uh, I, I don't need the six points. I'll take Michigan State on the money line plus 180. This is a, this sounds like Michigan State running smash mouth and winning like 27-17 somehow to me. That sounds like a good prediction. Hammer the under. I love the under in this game. 56 and a half. You're telling me this is going to be like 30 to 27? Are you out of your damn mind? Like, no way. This is going to be, yeah, 27 to 13. Let's call this a day. What do you like, Tom? Uh, one of my favorite games of the whole day, uh, and I agree 100% with what both of you said. So the under and Michigan State, I mean, I'll take the points. You know, yeah. you can take them outright if you're feeling dangerous. But um, this Michigan State team, you know, I said that Mel Tucker would be on the hot seat quickly, and – I was somewhat wrong. I mean, he's got them back to back up from, you know, rock bottom in the last few years to like, they're a mid-level big 10 team kind of where they were in their um, somewhat down seasons um, under D'Antonio, you know, they would have seasons where they're real good. And then they'd have seasons when they're, where they're kind of mediocre. And this, he's got them back to where they were under a mediocre D'Antonio season Um, running, you know, ground control, um, Youngstown State's not the greatest team, but they handle them pretty easily. They're 2-0. and I think Michigan State certainly covers and, if not, just wins outright. And Miami looked horrible. I mean, they should have lost to App State. Yeah, so, they're not good. Yeah, aside from saving the cat, I haven't seen anything I like from Miami. Well, good, so. good call. All right, next game, Nebraska at Oklahoma. Oklahoma laying 22 and a half. Total 62. Ryan, I know you got some thoughts on this one. Uh, this is like the easiest lay, lay it of all time. Like the 22 and a half is not even close 
to what that number should be. That number should be closer to 30. Like 28 and a half is way more realistic. I mean, it's Oklahoma. They're going to score 50, 60 points pretty much every game at this point. You know, they get the week one, two kind of slow start and they work it out. And then they just turn into a machine. This is what they do. Nebraska's awful. They're not going to get any better. Frost is dead, like literally (laughs) dead man walking. It's not even like worth putting him on the tarmac report because he's already there. I was just going to say that it's not even like you're it's below you to even like criticize him. He's applying for jobs at the airport already. So we're not even considering him on the tarmac necessarily. Not coaching jobs to be clear, like Chick-fil-A Chili's too. Yeah, he'd have a tough time managing a Chick-fil-A. Let me say that. They, they have a pretty high standard of quality. I they, do, they, they, they do have a hurry-up offense at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, he can't do fast food. I'm telling you, like he's going to no, he's gonna be the guy doing the, the, the big the sticks out on the, on the tarmac. Like that's his, that's his fate. It's not only is he a tarmac report, he's going to actually work on the tarmac. That's what he deserves. Good. Um, I like the over in this game. Uh, it feels like 55-27 to me uh, with two backdoor Nebraska touchdowns late. And this could be a possible Shang Sun moment here. This could be old rivals now in different conferences playing each other, but the old people who remember the glory days of Nebraska-Oklahoma, they expect at least them, their team to fight. And if Oklahoma's up, say, 48-10 to 10 in the third quarter – the paperwork might get filed. So we could be within 72 hours of Frost getting fired. This Good call, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, Lee Riley might Shang Tsung him. It could be a Shang Tsung moment. Look at Arkansas, Texas. These old rivalries, us yep. youngins forget, but the fans who go to these games, some of the older folks, they remember. Yeah, there's a chance that uh, they want to embarrass Nebraska and end this once and for all. So... Those are the guys that write the checks. That's what I'm saying. These are the guys in their 60s with white hair that remember the glory days, and they ain't having any of this. So do not bet Nebraska under any circumstances. Dan, you're All a right. restaurant manager. What restaurant best suits um, lines up with Scott Frost's coaching style? If he Scott had to manage Frost, a restaurant, which one uh, fits his skill set? That would be Chili's. Um, Chili's is a total fucking fiasco. The food quality has gotten worse year after year since the nineties. That is good. It's got like, it used to be really good when we were the kids in the nineties, they would have <laughs> fajitas sizzling on plates. And it seemed like it was this cool Tex-Mex establishment. There's one, <laughs> there's a couple in town and I decided to go to one about three, four months ago with my girlfriend. I was like, let's go to Chili's. I haven't been there in a minute. And the food's even cheaper. The prices are lower on the menu now in 2021 for the same items as in 1993. Now, I'm no businessman, but in order to pull that off, the quality of food has to go way the fuck down. If you're serving like a steak that's rated 8 out of 10 in the 90s, you're serving some 2 out of 10 bullshit now if it's on the 2 for 20 entree menu. So uh, Chili's would be the best uh, representation for Scott Frost. Dan, I think I think this is about to become a recurring segment. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. This is very, coaches versus that, restaurants. This is Scott that's, Frost. That's Chili's. off the cuff, folks. No preparation on that. Very good. He's uh, a. <laughs> welcome. 
That's good. Chili's this week. He's chilies. next week. He's about to become the ground round. That was without a doubt. The last time I'll ever step in foot inside of a chilies. I, I walked out and I looked at my girlfriend and said, how was your meal? And she said, not great. And I said, that's the last time we ever eat chilies. <laughs> you know, they're trying hard to keep these chain restaurants going, but like no one our age and younger goes to chilies anymore. I mean, it's only like 19 year olds trying to get free drinks and 60 year olds. So, you know, that, that's, that's your market. Dan, I got, I got some bad news. Uh, Chili's actually just came on as a new sponsor of Take the Points, so I'm going to need you to right. rescind everything you just said. They've re- McLean Northeast dropped out as a sponsor, and the Family oh. Values Tour with Limp Biscuit dropped out, <laughs> and uh, Chili's is now our sponsor. I might do a Chili's ad next week. I'll see what I can do. Let me, let me put something together for you. Um, All right. All right. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Let's move on. Sounds good. Let's move on to Notre Dame. Purdue at Notre Dame. Notre Dame laying seven and a half, total 58. Uh, I think we all got some thoughts on this one. Again, I'm going to take the over in this game. Notre Dame gave up 35 to a shitbag Florida State squad that couldn't move the ball in Jacksonville State. They gave up 39 to a team in the MAC at home. Now they're supposed to stop Purdue, who actually has a good offense this year. Um, 58 is only 29 points each. I think it's a good possibility both teams are in the 30s or 40s in this game. So if that's the case, like over 58. Also, obviously, like Purdue, a little bit plus seven and a half. But uh, I think maybe my biggest bet of the week might be the over 58 in this, in this game. This is a very dangerous bet because Purdue could win this game outright or they could lose by 24 points. Um, and you have to be careful. So I'm with you. I think the over is probably a better um, a better bet, but Purdue's got the talent, especially considering Toledo just hung with them. I mean, Purdue could yeah. hang or win this game outright. So I'm saying, I, I guess I would, I would go Purdue and the over, and okay. there's a slight chance that you're just going to get embarrassed and Purdue's going to get shot out. Nope. 41, 38 Boilermakers mark it down. Who is calling this game on NBC this week? That would be Drew Brees. Uh-oh. Yeah. So do not bet Notre Dame under any circumstances. You know what? Purdue over hook is definitely getting played. This is – actually, I'm – yes. The more I think about this, the more I like Purdue. Because Notre Dame's got Wisconsin next week, and everybody's Ooh. thinking in their mind, like, oh, all right, they'll hand her Purdue, and then Wisconsin's the tough matchup, you know? And that's the team that mm-hmm. might be able to beat them the way they're playing. Watch Purdue sneak in here and come out with, like, a two-point win. This is what Purdue does. Every, like, every other year, they, 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 they beat a top-10 team. Like, they just they find a way to do it. They're, they're very streaky like that. And, uh, yeah, Drew Brees, Notre Dame's defense sucks. Florida State, all that nonsense over Purdue. I don't think you can bet Notre Dame or an under. Under, you can't bet at all. No that's, way. That's Speaking of potential unders, next game, Alabama at Florida. Bama laying 14 and a half, total and even 60. Uh, as the resident SEC person on take the points, let me take this one to start. Um, last year in the SEC title game, Florida was able to move the ball pretty decently on Alabama. But that's because they had Trask, Pitts, and what's the receiver? Tony as well. Well, they're all gone. Uh, Emory Jones is not good at all. The backup's much better, AR-15, which is a really good nickname, by the way. Um, 
sort of. Uh, it's very Florida. It's very, it's very it's, Florida. It fits, yeah. It fits. Um, but I like the under in this game a lot because it's the first road game for Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. Now, he's obviously passed the test in both games, but first road game at Florida, Swamp, SEC, and then Florida's offense isn't that great. Compile that with a great Alabama defense. 60 is a lot of points, you know, and even if Alabama blows them out, they're up 34 to six in the second half, they're just going to run the ball and the clock will evaporate. We've seen this before. So um, I'm just going to take an under in that game, not pick a side. How about you guys? Ryan? I'm, I'm going to lean under uh, for one very specific reason, and that's because I think Dan Mullen is going to put so much freaking COVID in that team hotel of Alabama that we just have no idea who the hell is going to actually play Saturday. So I'm going to take it under and just assume that we're going to hear some shit because Mullen is not above shenanigans and Florida is riddled with COVID. So they got a little to spare. They'll pop a little in the hotel room. I guess I'll be the guy who just lays it with Alabama then and keeps the, the tide rolling. Um, they've looked like the best team for two weeks and this Florida team I'm calling it now third or possibly fourth in the East by the end of the year. I like Georgia better than them. I like Kentucky better than Florida. Yeah. We'll let it done last week again. We'll, we'll talk about Kentucky in a minute. Um, but yeah, we'll let us look great. And, uh, who's the other team that's better than them? Maybe that's that, it. Maybe that's it. Ole Miss, oh, I was thinking Ole Miss, but they're in the West. They should be yeah. in the East for balance. It would help. All right. Uh, let's see here. Moving on real quick. Florida State at Wake Forest. Wake Forest laying four and a half. Total 62. Things are not good at Florida State. According to former wideout um, PK Sam of Florida State, the, the players are, are completely lost in the locker room and that it's a bad situation right now, according to his insider sources. I tend to agree with the former wide receiver. I feel like he has more insider information than any of us. Um, When I see that on social media, it raises some red flags. I'm sure Florida State will give it all they have in this game, but you can't bet Florida State until further notice would be an understatement. So for this one, it's a stay away from me. Yeah, I don't have a pick on the game, but I, I echo what you said, that when you see Wake Forest minus four and a half against your supposed powerhouse traditional program, another, as we say, gut check moment, like that's, you should be embarrassed, basically, that that is even yeah. the line. Uh, all right, um, here's one. Ohio State hosts Tulsa. Ohio State lane 24 and a half, total 61. All right, we've seen this before. Ohio State loses a game in the regular season. They always come back and try to make everyone forget about that and score 100 points. So if the total is 61, that means that the Ohio State team total is like uh, like 40 or something like that. Yeah, go ahead and bet the over on that. They're going to score in the 50s in this game. We all know how this works. They'll be ranked seventh again in – by the end of this week and be like, oh, don't worry about that non-conference loss. The Big Ten's quality. If they run the table with that, we'll see you in the playoffs. That is absolutely correct. Tulsa's pretty good, though. That's my only, like, pushback on that. I mean, they hung with That's it. Why you State. Over. 
Let's take the over. They're gonna. It's not gonna be a low scoring game. Like this is what Ohio State does. They might blow a game, but they'll come back the next game and they'll put up fifty. So, team total Ohio State might be the lock of the week. Yeah, Ohio State is not out of the playoff race by any stretch of the imagination. All right, Ryan, I'm kicking this one to you. USC at Washington State. USC minus eight. Total sixty-two. What the hell is going to happen in this game? I have literally no idea. Speaking of COVID issues, Rolovich, you got like three weeks to get your shot or get fired. This is going to be hilarious. The countdown is on. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect in this game. Like I literally could see any scenario happening. But my guess is, my guess is USC comes in there and and beats the brakes off of them. Like, that's just my gut is they got rid of clay. They're excited. They got an awesome new young coach. Let's go ahead and just, just fire it up. So my guess would be USC blows the doors off of Washington state. All right. um, Here's one for you. Georgia Southern at Arkansas. Arkansas minus 24, total 52 and a half. Now, you might wonder why I'm mentioning this one. This is a classic trap game of all trap games. Arkansas beat Texas at home last week. Fans rest the field. Next week, they host A&M, and the week after that, they go at Georgia. Now they play Georgia Southern, Southern team that can run the ball, which will be conservative, keep the clock running. I like Georgia Southern plus 24 points to play this game sneaky close against Arkansas. I think Arkansas is now the overvalued team and they are looking past this one thinking we're going to be three and zero, and then we get to play with the big boys, but this is why you play the game. I would not be shocked if you see the upset of the week is Georgia Southern beat Arkansas and everyone's completely flabbergasted. We'll put that out there. I'm sure you guys like that one. Okay, no more fucking around. Colorado State at Toledo. Toledo minus 14. Total 58 and a half. Let's talk about Colorado State here for a minute. Let's let's hang on a second, Dan. Let me um, fire this up to lead you into it. Let's talk about how hard those kids played today. Oh, wait, wait. This is the problem in our world today, right? This is exactly what the problem is. People exactly. want to say, hey, you feel sorry for yourself. I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to drop my head. There ain't a coach on this program that will drop their head. So it's my job to make sure we just keep swinging away, okay? Because that's all loser stuff. <laughs> and it'll be my job to stay on top of that. Want to play big-time college football and you lose two games? You want to talk about, oh, you're afraid you're going to lose the locker room? No, I'm not afraid of losing the locker room. We'll go down to Toledo with 32 people if we need to. (laughs) There you go. That's one of the best clips of the whole week is his his press conference. So uh, for those who don't know, Colorado State got blowed out bad by South Dakota week one at home. Then week two, they lost to Vandy, uh, which is the worst uh, Vandy edition in 30 years. So. That leaves you at 0-2 going on the road with their 32 players they care against Toledo, who got hosed against Notre Dame. Uh, this spread might be too high because it's 14. Maybe it's not too high. I don't know, but I got some bad news, Tom. I've been doing some thinking. And who would be better to take over at UConn than a former Boston College coach oh. who's 
contract buyout drops from five million to three million on December third this year, with a little bit of name recognition and history of recruiting in New England. I am extremely worried that come early December, St. Nick's going to give us the biggest bag of fucking coal of all time and drop Steve Adazio in our laps. So, Dan, I need Ron to hire a coach, anybody, as soon as possible before they bring Adazio in there because if he gets fired in like two weeks, he's going to be the next UConn head football coach. Plus, he's actually the best thing he does, Adazio, is that freaking coach's room during the national championship, the coach's broadcast, he's great. And being at UConn, he's right up the road from Bristol. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's just a perfect match. Make it stop. No. Oh, he's so good. Because he can once the UConn fires him, then he can just go to Bristol full time. Nope. No. There's no dudes here in the state of Connecticut. You don't want to come here. No dudes. Dude free. We got just it's just all yacht clubbers and bankers and insurance guys. No dudes. Nothing for you to work with. Oh, he's going to be over at WWE headquarters trying to recruit every wrestler's kid and just be like, look, I just need to fill out my linebacking core with, you know, Mick Foley's kid where there's Triple H's kids already on. Quadruple steroids. H. Oh, quadruple H is going to be a stud linebacker for Dazio, the Huskies. Oh, you're winning me over actually on this idea now, Spill it. <laughs> It's going to happen. I already know it. This fucking sucks. This never crossed my mind, and now I will never be able to stop thinking about it until UConn hires a coach. Thanks, Dan. I, I'm sorry. Sometimes you got to face your fears. <laughs> and this is one, this is a big one because it makes way too much sense. This this smells like Pasqualoni Part 2 to me. Like, UConn, oh, he was in the Big East. Close enough. UConn's a state school, by the way, so Steve Adazio's salary would be paid by my tax dollars. <laughs> you have to move out of the state. I'd, ha- I'd have to pull a Wesley Snipes and just not contribute and have the IRS hunt me down. <laughs> when they catch me, I'll be like, listen, I- I'm not anti-taxes. I believe in public supports and a strong safety net, but I can't have a dime going to Steve Adazio. No jury would convict. You're going to get a piece of paper in the mail from the state of Connecticut that says, we would like to let you know how we spent all of your tax dollars. Some people's money goes to school. Some goes to roads. Tom, we took every cent that you paid it and it went right to Steve Adazio's contract. You're going to lose your goddamn mind. That's going to be it. We ran a, we ran an AI search on your social media feeds and we found some uh, extensive interest in college football and Steve Adazio. So we just made the obvious assumption that you would want hundred percent of your tax money supporting this. Oh my God. So yeah. Um, they can hire anyone at all before he gets fired up. We'll celebrate. I don't care who it is. I literally don't care. Be, I can't think of anyone worse. There's nobody worse. I, I, there's no one worse unless they, oh yeah. I mean, I'd rather have Clay Helton. He's better. Oh yeah. <laughs> for UConn. Yeah. Not for USC, but for UConn for sure. Oh no, Yeah. Adazio is just no shot. It's Pasqualoni part two at best. (laughs) Yeah. Pasqualoni part two, Edsel part three, Adazio part one. It's all the same. All right. We got to keep going with lines or else we're going to just start getting really upset here. Um, Real quick. Arkansas state travels to Washington total 58. We've talked about this already. Why is it 58? Arkansas state's not going to score. 
Washington's offense sucks. 58, it's impossible. Just bet the under. It's coming in. I think we'll both be in agreement with that. There's no way this game's in the 60s. All right, let's roll down a little bit. Now, Tom, this one's all you. I'm sure you'll be able to tell me why you like the home team. Old Dominion travels to Liberty, where Liberty laid 27 and a half. Tom, any reasons why you think Liberty might woodshed Old Dominion? I can think of several, but let's just go back to, um, oh, what's his name? Malik. I'm blanking on his last name. Willis. Quarter- Willis. Yeah, Malik Willis, quarterback of Liberty. Ride or die with him all year long. He's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick by the end of the year. I'd also like to add that maybe your former Penn State uh, offensive coordinator turned head coach, Ricky Ronnie, may be in over his head for this game and unable to control Liberty. Sounds like Liberty team total. Sounds like Liberty minus 28 and probably the over in the game all come in. There is a coaching disparity in this game for sure. Liberty's going to score 50 on their own, aren't they? Like 52 and a half just feels really low. Probably, yes. All right, moving on. Um, South Carolina travels to Georgia. Georgia minus 31, total 47 and a half. Ryan, go ahead. You start this one off. Oh, this is just real quick. 38 nothing, Georgia. Take Georgia, take the under, hook it together. You got a small window, but it's coming in. I have a weird feeling about this game. South Carolina plays one team close every year, and Stetson Bennett just threw for five touchdowns. Georgia's offense still isn't great. I feel like this might be like a 27-16 Georgia win somehow, or 27-6 even to cover. For some reason, I feel like the 32 points with South Carolina is enough to cover the spread even if they don't score. Like 27-3, (laughs) 26, 6, 28, 3. Like, those are all in the realm here. So. 30, nothing? Yeah, 30, nothing. It, was, it would be great if you took 32. So, has the team ever covered a spread and got blanked before? It must have happened. I don't know, right? but we got a chance this week. 16, nothing, Georgia's been there. 19, nothing, Georgia's very live. Um, I'm going to take South Carolina for a small bet. I just have a feeling they play this game closer, but. It could very well be 28 nothing in the mid-second quarter, but I'm just going to write a system on this one. I could be wrong. Z, you got anything? Yeah, I got something. Uh, if you ask um, any hardcore Georgia fans, the team they fear the most, um, usually they don't talk about Florida or uh, even Alabama. It's South Carolina. And the reason for that is because South Carolina has a weird history of actually beating Georgia, including – the last time they played between the hedges, I believe two years ago, uh, national championship aspiration, Georgia team Correct. lost to a mediocre South Carolina team with Will Muschamp. Now South <laughs> Carolina has exercised the demon of Will Muschamp and not only gotten rid of him, but sent him over to Georgia with all his bad karma. So I talked a about this of- three weeks ago. <laughs> It's this is the revenge must champ game, revenge against must champ game. Correct. Um, I'm taking the points with South Carolina, and I think it's going to be close. Okay. See, there we go. We'll find out. All right, Tom, this one's all you. Auburn at Penn State. Nice night game in Happy Valley. This is a cool game. Um, yeah. 
Penn State minus five. So Vegas has no idea what the hell's going to happen. Total 53 and dropping. Tom, shoot, shoot your shot. Yeah. I mean, you said it total 53 and dropping. Um, take the under right now, get it while you can. Um, Penn State's a very good defensive team. Um, they haven't found their offense yet, despite scoring a lot of points against Ball State. Their offense hasn't looked good. And Auburn's a running team. And they scored 60 plus in or 60 and 62 in two consecutive games, but they're playing, um, you know, bad opponents. And this is their first like real game of the season on the road in a white game, a whiteout night game. So you have to assume there's going to be nerves. It's going to be a challenge keeping up with the speed of Penn State's defense. And uh, besides that, both teams will probably be relying on the run a lot. So the under seems like the natural pick. I will say I don't like this line um, for if you're a Penn State fan. Like, I don't know why a undefeated Auburn SEC team, even on the road at night, is getting six or, or five now, six to open. I would have thought that this game would be like closer to a pick em. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm a Penn State fan, so it's hard for me to do this, but like I would take Auburn if you're picking a side. And uh, with the five or six points or whatever you can get it at, I think that one will get closer by game time. But I think the under is the best bet of this game. Defensive struggle. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. You know, Auburn's got a great running back. Quarterback's still a question mark. Penn State's offensive question mark. Both defenses can really play. This feels like an NFL-type game. A lot of clock running, a lot of red zone defense, a lot of fluke turnovers. You know, I think I, I think this game is going to be a side of my turnovers. If either team is plus two or more with turnovers, they win the game. And just how the ball bounces. Yeah, which quarterback uh, screws up the most, to put it bluntly? Yeah. You know, by the way, just one quick tidbit. Auburn has not played a road game at a Big Ten school in 90 years. Good for them. Like, that's just hilarious. They're Auburn. They don't need to. <laughs> that's the correct answer. As the correct answer, Tom. All right. I mean, uh, I, I would late. say Alabama came to Penn State in 2011 or 2012. They came to um, Happy Valley in a similar type of situation, I think, week one or two. That was a national championship year for Alabama playing against a Rob Bolden-led Penn State team, and uh, they won by, like, 11. So these games, these whiteout games are tight, all of them, and they're uh, – Exciting atmosphere, but they're usually low scoring. Not always, but yeah, the under is the pick. I agree. The under will be pretty tough in this one, Tom. Tulane at Ole Miss. Uh, <laughs> Ole Miss minus 14, total 76 and a half. Now, Lane Smart, he follows the college football landscape. He knows Tulane scored 35 at Oklahoma and had a chance to beat him late with the ball with two and a half minutes left. He's going to want to show the pollsters that they're way better than Oklahoma without actually playing them. Uh, you're looking at a team total for um, Ole Miss at about 42 and a half. Tulane's defense, from what I've read from some people I trust, is historically bad. Oklahoma had a bad first game. They turned the ball over a lot, and they still dropped 40 on them. I think Ole Miss scores in the 50s in this game. I think Ole Miss's defense has improved. I'm not touching the game total, but I love the Ole Miss team total and Ole Miss to cover 14 in this game. At home, first true home game for Ole Miss. 
Lanes back, Woodshed. 6333. <laughs> also good. <laughs> That's my prediction. It's pretty good. I mean, all miss overs until until further notice, until Vegas catches up. That's right. All right, uh, real quick. Oklahoma State travels to Boise State. Boise State laying three and a half on the blue turf, total 57 and a half. We got an early uh, candidate for the Zach Mills Award here, Tom. Spencer Sanders, who's definitely really fitting the Zach Mills mold by having by far his best year as a freshman and now slipping deep into mediocrity. Take Boise, lay the three and a half. Oklahoma State is, is a shell of what they used to be, and this team's no good. So, Hammer the under, 57 and a half, cold. Boise, blue turf, absolutely hammer the under. I, that's one of my three favorite bets of the week is, is this under, 57 and a half. All right. West of the See Mississippi, you. so that's you. Sounds good. All right, uh, two more late ones. We'll wrap it up this week. Arizona State at BYU, an alleged big game. It's a whiteout at BYU. Feel free to make all the jokes you want about that. Arizona State's laying three and a half, total of 51. I have no idea about this Arizona State team. They played two complete cupcakes and haven't looked good in either game. BYU coming down um, after a big win against Utah, their first one in 10 years in the Holy War. Live dog in three and a half at home. No clue whatsoever. Ryan, you got anything on this game? It total feels low. I mean, Utah, despite, you know, having, you know, a bit of a down year, it looks like, like Utah still has a good defense and BYU scored a bunch and took shots. And we know Arizona state, despite how bad they looked, like they want to score some points too. So I don't know. I have no real feel for this, but I'm interested in a, maybe an over possibly. It'll be a, it's a very strange game. I'm interested to see what happens in this one. Before we get to the marquee night game, I just want to drop two real quick that I like. Um, UVA at UNC, uh, both teams can score. Neither team can really stop that many people. Over 66 and a half. I really like that. Uh, and then on the flip side, Northwestern at Duke. Ooh. The academic decathlon bowl. Uh, let's go ahead and put that under 49 and a half and, and just pretty much just don't watch the game, but just know that it's coming in. Like it's Northwestern Duke. This game is going to end like 23, 17. Let's be honest. Both those so, teams are worse than normal too this year. Yes, they are. Exactly. Northwestern is terrible. So Duke, I, I like that, horrible. that one. They're each bad. All right, Dan, you can give us Wait, the well, I got one more too. Uh, I think you got to, you know, you know, riding the wave of teams that have been doing great versus teams who have underperformed. Uh, Coastal Carolina is a 14 point favorite over Buffalo who really got dominated by Nebraska in a game. We thought they should have kept close last week. So to me, that doesn't say that Nebraska is good. It says that this Buffalo team is not good and coastal has been playing great. I know they're not going to like the cold September air of Buffalo, New York, but I'll take Coastal and lay two touchdowns all day long. That's pretty good, Tom. Uh, Not cold air in this one. Last game of the night, 
It's the 12.30 a.m. start in the East Coast. So, Tom, you can take a nap and get up. I'll catch it San in the morning. Triple San Jose State at Hawaii. This is Hawaii's first game in their miniature stadium since the uh, Aloha Bowl got shut down due to, well, many different reasons, including it being unsafe for football. Um, San Jose State lands six and a half. There will be no fans at this game. I like the over 61. San Jose State can score. Wise defense is fucking terrible. Cordero can score. We got Todd Graham, who's an idiot. 61 points. Bet the over. Set the alarm clock. Wake up at like 2.30 in the morning, Tom, and catch the second half and, and sweat the over bet. All right. You guys don't want an over in Fresno, UCLA? I mean, that's your territory, but that seems like a – Seems like an automatic over to me. I don't even know what no, the over under Fres- is. No, Fresno State defense, slow it down. I, I looked at it, don't like it. Can't tell. I don't know what to think of UCLA. It feels like that LSU game was three months ago, but it was only 10 days ago against LSU. So um, I don't know. And it just it, 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 it's just always hard to wager overs with the team who prefers to run the ball. Um, there could be some fumbles. There could be some three and outs. So I don't know. I'm going to stay away from that game. I'm still not sold on UCLA just because they beat a bad LSU team. All right. Well, I have one more game that I want to mention before we, um, you know, end with some closing thoughts. This is not a bet, but it's, let's call it a score to watch. Don't watch the game. Keep an eye on the score. Uh, Kent, uh, Kent state goes to Iowa. Iowa coming off the huge win against little brother and ranked fifth in the country right now. Um, Iowa fans happier than they've ever been. This is like the Iowa team that's most poised to, you know, really be a contender probably in our lifetime. Um, Now they have what would be considered a letdown game, perhaps against a team that can score some points. So what we want, the three of us and all degenerate gamblers, we want Iowa to win but we want Kent state to keep this close. And I'll tell you why, because the worse Iowa looks in this game this week, the better line we're going to get next week. Do you know who comes to Iowa next week, Dan? We no. we mentioned them quite a bit in this episode. Oh, is it Colorado state dudes? Oh my God. Steve Adazio and Colorado state go to Iowa next week. And so the more points the, the worse Iowa looks this week, the more points we get next week. And you can just lay, you know, bet your house, bet your car. <laughs> That's a really good theory, Tom. I like that. But that could bring us one step to him getting fired and his, his, he's going to hop in his car and drive from yeah. Colorado to stores. So it is, it, yeah, it is a, like a killing the goose that lays the golden egg type scenario. It's, it's it's a slippery slope with Adazio until we know who's taking over at UConn. Yeah. That, well, hey, September 26th, mark that, that day on your calendar. You could be, Adazio could be, you know, just off a 56-0 loss on the tarmac, headed from, uh, where's Colorado State? Colorado Springs? Where is it? Or Collins? Or no, it is Colorado Springs. You're right. Yeah. yeah well, wherever, you know, let's say he goes. Not Denver. He'll go from some small Colorado airport flying, you know, to another very, very small airport in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. Oh, God. 
You think he'll have to interview or they'll just give him an offer? He's just going to get an offer. They can't. They're, 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 they're drooling over his Boston College days of going six and five. Just, just they have such a boner. They can't wait to sign. All right, Dan, Ryan, anything you want to say before we close out? I don't have too much this week, Tom. Um, enjoy college football weekend. Just when you think it's going to be a quiet one, it never is. Last week, we're like, oh, week two, not a lot on the books, except Clay Helton getting fired Sunday morning. So once again, like it's proven over and over again, college football always has something for you every single week that's intriguing and better than you expect. So uh, some bullshit's going to go down this week. Will Arkansas blow it to Georgia Southern? Will Drew Brees call a, a dramatic last-second touchdown pass for Purdue against Notre Dame? Will Ole Miss score 70 on Tulane? Find out this week in college football week three. That's a good place and, to end. Oh, and wow. if you're feeling down, if you're having a, a bad day, take your phone, go to Twitter, and go to the Oregon Duck mascot page and just just scroll through those and just just feel better it's hilarious it's the funniest thing ever after that game and uh yeah so if you're feeling down just know that that's a great follow it's gonna make you feel good because we all hate ohio state and it's always fun to celebrate their failures feels good puddles the duck is the number one mascot in the country in my humble opinion bevo Maybe also puddles is number one, like costumed and Bevo is number one live action animal. I think that's accurate. All right. Uh, until next week, folks, this is uh, Tom, Dan, and Ryan signing off from take the points. See you next week. Bye. Take the points. 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 Take the points.